We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hi, hello, this is Josh Bowe, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with a special, or not so special, depending how you look at it, edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. The Mavericks lose to the previous 6-18 and 18 New Orleans Pelicans, 107-91. Friday night home game in Dallas, the Mavericks lose. They now drop back to one game over 500. They are 11-10. They once again fail to eclipse the point differential mark. They still have a negative point differential uh, entering tonight. If the Mavericks would have won by 15 points, they would have had a positive point differential for the first time all season. So, of course, they lose by 16. So it might take another couple games for the Mavericks to get there, or who knows what happens from here. I've been talking a lot, so you can probably guess and use context clues to know that I am without a partner tonight. Kirk Henderson is off, so to speak. He had an ability to, or a chance, to go see this game in person, which is freaking hilarious. He went with a with a good friend he hasn't seen, and this is the first game I believe Kirk's been to since he moved back to uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area over the summer. So he asked me if I could handle things tonight so he could go. I said, of course, because he's covered for me so many times over the last couple of years uh, when I've when I've had to sit out a, a podcast or, or a round of editing duties after a post-game, uh, you know, post-game scenario. So, of course, 
I'm glad Kirk got to go. I think it is freaking hilarious that when <laughs> that Dalton Trigg of Step Back Bats pod and DallasBasketball.com, when he goes to a game, which he went to the, the Mavs Pelicans game in New Orleans on Wednesday, the Mavericks win by uh, you know 32 points or whatever it was and shoot 70 almost 70% from the field. And then when Kirk goes to a game, the Mavericks lose to a very, very bad team by 16 at home. <laughs> Uh, so fate seems to have a sense of humor, I think. Um, I don't know where to start with this game. Uh, the Mavericks basically, well, I guess where I have to start is that Kristaps Porzingis did not play in this game. He banged knees with Jonas Valanciunas in the Wednesday game, but he played through it. Uh, he finished, you know, the game and it didn't seem to be a a major problem. Uh, but he was ruled doubtful. Uh, earlier today and I think with the back-to-back the Mavericks play tomorrow night Saturday Saturday night against Memphis it just made sense to have him sit out and to be honest you know even if he didn't bang knees you know having Kristaps sitting out back-to-backs isn't the worst idea in the world so really it's nothing to panic about unless Kristaps also doesn't play tomorrow night against Memphis but that is for tomorrow Uh, and I think it was pretty evident uh, without Kristaps, you know, the Mavericks offense, which looked so great on Wednesday and they're, you know, an explosion of shot making. I mean, everything just went out the window. The Mavericks shot 29.4%, 10 to 34 from three. They shot 40.5% from the floor overall, 32 of 79. It was just a miserable offensive showing, uh, you know, bad shot, you know, bad shots and missing open shots was just the recipe for tonight. It's supposedly, and when you're missing Kristaps Porzingis, that matters. I mean, say what you will about Kristaps. And I know myself and Kirk and a bunch of other uh, people have said plenty of things about Kristaps Porzingis. Even when he's at his worst, the spacing he provides just by standing on the floor is so significant and different than any other player uh, on the Mavericks roster presents, especially their big man rotation. Maxi Kleba is, is a great spot-up three-point shooter, but he just does not bend defenses the way that Kristaps Porzingis does. He just He's just not guarded the same way, and for good reason, because Kleba is, f- doesn't really present much of a threat outside of those spot-up shots, while Kristaps uh, has proven to score fairly well around the basket. At the three-point line, he's not shooting well, but teams still guard him like he is because of his past history, and he's been, you know, Kristaps has been passing better out of the nail and those dribble handoff situations, so... It's a big difference. So that's kind of the qualifier. Having said that, Kristaps Porzingis should not be the difference between this Mavs team, which has serious ambitions of competing for you know a Western Conference championship at the very least and an NBA championship. Uh, that should not be the difference in losing to a terrible Pelicans team by 16 points at home. Uh, Luka Doncic was playing. Uh, obviously, his health is a matter of debate. He did not look great tonight. He looked like he kind of tweaked an ankle, you know, bumped and bumped a knee. Like it just looked like he was hampered throughout most of the night. But he was seven of twenty from the floor, missed all his threes, twenty-one points, seven turnovers, uh, which is just not good. And if you have Luka Doncic, if he's playing and if he's healthy enough to play. You know, obviously things are going to take a step back with Kristaps out, but it shouldn't take this big a step back, I guess is more my point. Um, everybody else played for the Mavericks. Tim Hardaway Jr. had an injury scare in the first half, but he played. You know, he shot terribly. The Mavericks' two offseason and major offseason acquisitions, well, really, they're only 
offseason acquisitions. Well, there are two major offseason acquisitions. Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown. Uh, Bullock had four points. Brown had two points. So your two big offseason acquisitions combined for six points in, a, in about you know about 45 minutes or so. Um, that's not good. That's not cutting it. We were hoping Reggie Bullock would change uh, his shooting woes as we as the calendar turned to December because historically he is a significantly better shooter. Outside of October, November, he was one of four, so that hurts. Um, Frank Nilakina, who was cleared to play, uh, who has been out for a couple of games with a nagging calf injury, he had been somewhat of a spark plug off the bench. His 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 counting stats don't really show it, but um, you know he's still when he's on the floor, the Mavericks play well. When he's off the floor, they play poorly. Like he's got some good on off numbers. Obviously, it's not all related to him, but. When he's on the floor, good things tend to happen, despite his numbers not looking great. Uh, he was a DNP CD because apparently Trey Burke earned to his minutes while he filled in for Frank. And, of course, Burke played eight minutes, uh, missed four shots out of five, and scored two points. Um, the Mavericks center rotation was a disaster. Uh, Dwight Powell uh, had five points and one rebound in 19 minutes. Boban Marjanovic had four four points and three rebounds in eight minutes, uh, but he could not continue playing because I think the Pelicans were really attacking him in the pick and roll defensively. Uh, and, you know, he had a couple of nice moments, a couple of good bakes around the basket, but that's kind of the thing with Boban is he just cannot guard in space and the Pelicans made sure to, to attack him there. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. shot three of 11. I mean, basically this is the inverse of the game Wednesday night. And the Mavericks are 11 and 10. It's been 21 games. Uh, you've heard us talk ad nauseum. If you've read, you know, other articles and other sites, Kevin Pelton of ESPN.com wrote a really nice article about that mythic 20 games mark and how much it really does matter. And, you know, there's it, it matters. Uh, and at this point, I don't want to be a downer, but this until we, we, we see otherwise for an extended stretch. This is the, this is the Mavericks. This is the 2021-2022 Dallas Mavericks. There's been so much talk about hoping for uh, a reversion, a regression, so to speak, for these shooters. And a regression to the offense, which was once one of the best offenses in the league and the best offense in league history, and now is hovering you know around 20th in the league. There was just some hope that that was just going to turn around based on the career marks of the shooters on the roster and what we've seen in the last two seasons. And that's fine. And it was, it, it was a valid thing to think, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, even ten games into the season. But I think at this point, hoping for a major turnaround in team shooting and the offensive performance is going from a logical, you know, something that's logical and based in, you know, statistical analysis into just wishful thinking. Um, I think we're well past that point now. Well, not well past, but I think we're just past that point where it's just hope, and and that's fine. I'm not trying to say people shouldn't have hope, but you know, I just don't. I don't see where the turnaround comes from, other than just hoping things change. And 20 games is is a fourth of the season, and we're you know we're rocketing towards Christmas. We're rocketing towards the new year, and it's just not going to get easier for the Mavericks. They're playing the Nets in a couple days. They play Memphis tomorrow, and Memphis, even without John Morant, is very, very plucky. And to be honest, I don't know what I'm going to do if the Mavericks lose tomorrow 
and Desmond Bain scores like 28 points. Like, I think I might just, uh, you know, leave my house, walk into the woods and never return. Uh, it's just hard right now. And I, I know not a lot of people listen to the podcast when the Mavericks lose. And I got to imagine Friday night game where the Mavericks look terrible that not, you know, this is going to be one of our least listened to podcasts, but I'm trying to stay, you know, calm and rational about this team. I know if Kirk were on, he might be a little bit more fired up, but I'm just running out of things to say about this team. Uh, I wrote a piece after the Cleveland Cavaliers loss, just kind of talking about like, when is it, when is it enough? And the the core four of Dorian Finney-Smith, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and Tim Hardaway Jr., the Mavericks, the four Mavericks who have started the most games since the 2019-2020 season, which you could say is kind of the revival of the Mavericks and the Luka Doncic era. You know, those four guys have started more games than anyone, maybe outside of Dwight Powell. And they're just not good with those four on the floor the last two years. It was good that first year, but we're just in a, in a steady decline. And I'm just wondering how long is enough. This is the new coaching staff, new front office, obviously giving that front office and that coaching staff an opportunity to see this roster with their very own eyes is valid. You know, you can't just tear up the roster with a new regime as quickly as you might like, but there has to be something. Just something has to change. Uh, and just going beyond the data and the stats – just watching this team, there's just a lifelessness about it. And there's a stagnation that is very evident. And there's a, there's frustration. There's exasperation. It's just not fun right now. And which is really weird thing to say about a Luka Doncic-run basketball team. And obviously a lot of it starts with Luka. He's played a, a very miserable season for his very high standards. Obviously his numbers are not that bad. But he's not shooting the way he is. He's not in shape the way he should be. And I feel like that's just cascading effect down the rest of the roster. I mean, I've written, I wrote a piece, I think, last year when the Mavericks looked so flat when they came out in the season opener about how teams like these, they take the, the lead of their star. And when your star is frustrated and not engaged, and Luka was horrible defensively tonight, I mean... He did not care to play defense, and and, and I wonder I wonder if part of that is because he was so banged up. I mean, he, and he was probably just saving all his energy on offense, but he was missing bunnies in the second half. He missed a really o- wide open shot at the rim. You know, it wasn't a layup; it was kind of a a floater from like two or three, four feet out. But he still missed it, and it's just it has to be better if he's gonna play. It just has to be better than this, and I think that effort kind of kind of creeps down throughout the rest of the roster. And, you know, I know guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba are hustling and trying, but, like, it's just not enough. The, the talent deficiency on this roster just takes its toll. And what's really disappointing is this was a very, you know, at least scoring-wise, this was a really good Jalen Brunson game, his first great good game since coming back from the foot injury. 16 points on 7-11 shooting. Uh, he only took one three, which is kind of an issue. And even then, you know, he got out, the Mavericks got outscored by 13 points in his 32 minutes because, you know, just not enough. Um, the Mavericks starting lineup, you know, Luka Doncic scored 21. Next high score was Maxi with 13 in 31 minutes. No one else scored in double figures. Like, it's just routinely the case. And I know Dorian Finney-Smith is shooting much better over the last couple of weeks, but he is still somehow managing to score, you know, so many single-digit scoring games, but playing over 30 minutes. And again, it's not his 
fault. It's not his job to score double figure points in 30 plus minutes. But when you're playing these guys these many minutes and you're a starter in the NBA, you just need you just need more. And you look at the Pelicans and they had four out of their five starters were in double figures. And <laughs> like Herb Jones, who seemingly can't take a three-pointer to save his life because his toe is on the line, scored 13 points in 36 minutes. And it's like, if Dorian can't outscore him, and I know there's more to basketball than scoring, but it's just it's just a cascading. They just can't keep doing this. And I'm not. I, I hate to single out Dorian because Reggie Bullock scored four points in 28 minutes. And once again, you know the Mavericks' key offseason signing hasn't provided anything. And it's just frustrating. And before I go, because I'm kind of rambling here, and I don't, I don't want to ramble, and it's just me. So I'm sure you guys are really tired of hearing my voice, and you just want to go enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, Josh Green didn't get off the bench until the final uh, two minutes of the game. In a game where you are trailing by double digits in the second half to a very bad team at home on a Friday night. Because uh, the Pelicans put it on the Mavs in the third quarter. They outscored the Mavs 35-20 to 20 in the third quarter and shot 68%. They only made three three-pointers, by the way, doing it. Uh, the Pelicans were 8 of 9 in the paint in the third quarter, which kind of goes to show, hey, Kristaps is out. And boy, no no other big on the Mavs is really doing it. Uh, and the perimeter defense is awful. Just just shows there. But if, if your second-year first-round pick who... Wasn't like the 30th pick or the 28th pick. He was 18th pick, which is not a you know an amazing pick, but let's not act like that's a throwaway dart throw pick. Obviously, any pick outside the lottery, the, the odds go down of you having a, a contributing NBA player. But 18th is not terrible. And he couldn't get off the bench. And he hasn't played meaningful basketball in a very long time. And he did at the beginning of the season. You know, he, he got some minutes early on. He was got some minutes in the preseason. And I think it's safe to say that the Josh Green experiment is over. I mean, this is two coaching staffs. These are two coaching staffs now that have basically come to the same conclusion that he's not an NBA player and he's not close to being an NBA player. And I think it's just emblematic of this organization. And you think about the stories we've heard about Holler, Bob Sorkaris, and Donnie Nelson and how much of a mess the 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 draft was in 2020 donnie walking out because he had a pity party that he wasn't in control of his own front office uh hollabob you know making the green pick based on his measurables and you look at tyrese maxey you look at Tesman Payne, you look at xavier tillman you look at sadiq bay who's even struggling a little this year but still is is doing he's already achieved way more than green might ever achieve in his nba career and it's just frustrating, and it's just another missed opportunity. And that seems to be the definition of this Mavericks team over the last couple of years, just missed opportunities. The offseason acquisitions don't seem to work. They don't get the guys they want. The guys they settle on aren't working. The draft, draft they just can't seem to figure out. Tyrell Terry was the 31st pick of the 2020 draft. He's not on the roster anymore. And, yeah, that's a, a second-round pick, and you can't guarantee anything, but Brunson was that same pick. So, like... There's precedent there to get something out of it. And for whatever reason, the Mavericks just can't consistently do it. You know, outside of the Luka draft, they just, they're just, it's just terrible. You know, they can't seem to use the draft in any way. Like they can't draft players. They can't develop players from the draft, you know, outside of Brunson and Luka. 
they can't trade their picks well. You know, they put, they invested a lot in the Kristaps, which I get, you know, it, it is a move they had to do, but now they're, they're kind of hamstrung. It's just tough. They don't trade for, they don't take on bad contracts to get more draft picks. Cause it's very obvious. They don't care about the draft. So it's tough. You know, this is the kind of loss where you just, the demons kind of come out and I just don't know what else to say. Just other than, it's a top-down organizational failure for this Mavericks team, which showed so much promise in you know December and January of 2019 and 2020. You know we thought the sky was the limit with this Mavericks team with Luka Doncic at the helm, and for them to be at this point not that long later is is embarrassing. And I hope the people in charge in the organization are embarrassed. I hope you know the coaching staff is embarrassed and upset. They're just there has to be some accountability somewhere. And we know Mark Cuban's the owner, so who knows? Uh, well, we do know there won't be any. Um, but it's a shame. And I, I plead that you know if the Mavericks scrape by with a win tomorrow, that we don't proclaim that they are fixed. Like let's see this team get on a, on a stretch of winning basketball before we make any proclamations. Uh, I could not believe. Mavericks radio broadcaster Chuck Cooperstein uh, tweeting after that Wednesday Pelicans game, the Mavs offense is fixed and it just comes down to shots. And it's like, it's, it's deeper. It's much, the problems are, are much deeper than that. And I don't know when they get fixed because to be honest at this point, and we've said it a million times, the fix is better players and uh, who knows when that's going to happen. So bummer of a podcast. I'm sorry. If you listened, I appreciate it. Check out the site. We'll have recap and stats up. We'll have some stuff over the weekend. And, you know, we'll be. I'll be back tomorrow night. I think Kirk will be back tomorrow night. Let's see what the Mavericks have uh, left in the tank. This is Josh Bowe of Mavs Moneyball with the Mavs Moneyball After Dark podcast again. New Orleans Pelicans beat the Dallas Mavericks 107-91. Whew. Talk to you guys later. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.